Another episode of Sunday Golds. How you doing, everybody? Arya Masudi and Brett Nevitt joining you and uh, getting ready to talk some Florida State baseball. The Seminoles, a 2-2 two and two overall week, but they returned home and took two out of three against a, a good Samford Bulldogs team that uh, made the NCAA tournament a season ago, made the Starkville Regional, and then uh, actually has been in the NCAA tournament a couple of times over the last few years. They made it to the Tallahassee Regional back in 2018 and upset Florida State uh, in that regional, uh, for some of you that remember. But, Brett, uh, you were there for all three games. I was able to, to catch bits and pieces uh, with my basketball schedule um, and having to travel. Um, but I did look at some box scores, saw some highlights, and uh, was able to take in most of Friday and half of Saturday's game before, before we flew to uh, Pittsburgh for that one. But um, I thought the team looked pretty good overall. I think there are some trends here that are – uh, encouraging. I think there are a couple of areas too, though, that you should be at least questioning at this time and, and just kind of keeping an eye on to see how we're moving forward. But uh, thoughts overall before we break down uh, certain games and, and trends on winning two of three over the Sanford Bulldogs. Yeah, overall, I thought it was a good weekend. Um, you know, you're six ounce away from sweeping a, a good baseball team. Uh, you end up falling on Sunday and it leaves a bit of a bait, bitter taste in the mouth and um, you know, you never want to lose on a Sunday just because, uh, you know, you have an off day the next day and you just kind of are thinking about it for a day. But overall, I thought it was a good weekend for FSU. Um, thought they played mostly clean baseball, mostly good baseball, except for some sloppiness early on Saturday. Um, and, you know, the last couple of innings on Sunday. Um, other than that, I thought it was a good weekend. And I thought Sanford also played a really clean weekend. I thought you saw them put together a lot of quality at bats and I mean they only played one error all weekend so they gave FSU their best effort um Friday Saturday I thought FSU couldn't really have played any better than they did outside of those errors early on on Saturday on Saturday but um yeah I, I just think despite you know these two losses early on you can you see a lot of positive signs and you see a much much different team than last year seven to nothing on Friday Parker Messick was incredible. I mean, that's as good as he's looked in his time at Florida State, and he's had some pretty dominant performances already. But um, you mentioned to me, I think, before we went on this podcast, and you said Parker's gotten better than even what he was a season ago. And against Samford, that's a good lineup that I think is going to hit for a high average this year in the SoCon. Seven innings, one hit, no earned runs, no walks, 13 strikeouts. On 85 pitches, Brett, I mean, he could have – if this is a deep season game, right, you're playing in April or May, Parker Messick's on complete game watch. That's the best I've ever seen Parker Messick. And we've seen Parker come up in a lot of big games and a lot of big situations. You think of Florida freshman year, Texas Tech freshman year, and, you know, Virginia last year, and just a lot of good games he's had. But this was the best one yet. Um, I don't think it could be topped at all. I mean, it was just so good. Um, I'm just sit, I mean, we were, I was just sitting in the press box and, I mean, I, I don't think you could, you could anyone could ever throw the ball better than he did that day. Um, and he, like, like you said, like I was thinking on Friday and after Friday, just Parker's gotten better from, from last year. I mean, he's a whole new animal almost out there. Um, the fastball's better. Fastball's much sharper this year. I mean, seemed like he was mostly 90-92 and was still bumping 93-94s late in his outing. I think he had a couple 93s in his seventh. Um, his slider was the best I've ever seen it on Friday. That new version of it, the more power, had light break to it. It was really hard on left-handed hitters. Changeup is a changeup. It's still one of the best pitches 
probably the best changeup in college baseball. Um, I mean, it's just it's unfair. And, and he was pounding the strike zone. Didn't seem like he was missing spots at all all night. Um, you know, opening weekend he had said he wanted his breaking stuff to be better, and it was better. Um, it was actually really sharp. Um, I mean, like you said, 85 pitches in seven innings. Um, he really turned it on late in his outing, too. I mean, most of his outings were, I think he struck out eight of the last nine batters he faced. It was just, it was, I mean, it, you can't, couldn't find any more beautiful pitching on the weekend. It's almost, too, like when Parker gets into a 2-2 count or a full count, it kind of ticks him off because then he brings his best stuff. And it was Samford. There were a couple times they tried to work the count, uh, and Parker just had a, some, something a little extra for him. Uh, to put them away. So uh, ACC Pitcher of the Week, congratulations to Parker Messick on that. Um, he's going to make a case, I think, all year for the National Pitcher of the Year awards. So um, a good job by him. Offense, seven runs on 14 hits. Logan Lacey hit uh, one of the <laughs> one of the longest bombs of his career, certainly, that, that we've seen him hit. Uh, and that thing left the park in a hurry. Uh, I thought overall, that was a really good offensive performance by the Knowles lineup. Yeah, it was, and I think it was early and often. It kind of fell off towards the end of that game last three innings, but, I mean, they, they just kept coming. They were relentless early. Uh, you know, the bottom of the lineup was really good. I think the last three guys in the order each had two hits. Uh, carry on Vincent and Rank all had two hits that game. Um, I think they, they combined to score four runs together and drive in four runs. Uh, B-Rob also had two hits. Every hitter in the lineup had a hit. As a team, 14 hits overall, um, and I thought Samford's starter did have you know a good fastball, um, not great breaking stuff, but the fastball was lively and you know six foot six guy that is going to give some people some troubles this year. And you know, Meat said that they thought he was a good arm, so it was good to see them hit the way they hit on Friday um, and set the tone for the weekend. I thought, and uh, it was just a complete team effort on Friday. I thought just about as complete a game as you could get. Yeah, so a perfect opener for Florida State. They win seven to nothing, and as Brett said, I think if the bottom of your order gets you six hits any game, most weekends that's going to lead to uh, some good results. I think Florida State should be very proud of how they played on Friday. All right, moving on into Saturday, Florida State uh, a bit tighter. Uh, put the runs on late to kind of separate from Sanford seven to one, but Brett again another eleven hits for the offense and seven runs and. Um, a lot of big performances throughout that lineup once more. Yeah, and I thought, you know, it's just a really good day in the offense of, of, of coming up with clutch hits. I think five of the seven runs they scored came with two outs. Um, you know, Reese had a good day off the bench. Isaiah Perry had a good day starting in front of him. Um, Jaime Ferrer had a good day, and Trey Rank had another good day. Um, two hits for both of those freshmen. Um, you know, Trayton scores two runs and drives in two runs as well, both with two outs, I believe. Um, one on a triple, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, another really good day for the offense, I thought, and only three strikeouts, six walks. I mean, you, you double up your strikeout numbers with walks. Uh, you're doing something right. Um, also 11 hits. Um, but for me, it was just the timely hits. That was really good to see. I mean, when, you, when you're scoring runs with two outs, you're going to be a really good team. Um, you know, I think it was after the game that Meat said two out RBI is going to win you championships. Um, you know, overall, I just I don't think you could have been any happier with the approach. And you know, early in that game, I thought they were hitting the ball really well um, and just weren't getting weren't getting the answers yet. Um, they left a couple runners on base and had a couple base running mistakes, but it seemed like a lot of hard hit balls were going right at guys too. And then they finally broke out late um, in the moments that mattered. Without a doubt, Reese Albert now still. 
hitting uh, above 500 on the year, 522 and 12 of 23. Brett, uh, you have a keener eye for some of this stuff than I do. Has he had an at-bat yet against a lefty this season? I think he's had a, a couple. Okay. Um, I believe on Sunday he did have at least one. Um, I believe last weekend as well he had a couple just okay. in games um, that you know they weren't yet trying to do too much. Um, but it's just overall it's just his, his stroke is just so much shorter this year. I mean – you see it, some of these videos that they've been putting out, and they've been awesome videos on on the social media accounts. Um, I mean, his swing is, is like almost half of what it used to be, kind of. I mean, it's just cut down so much, especially with two strikes. Um, I mean, hitting 522 through two weekends, and um, you can't really ask much more out of a leadoff hitter. Um, and he's been aggressive. I think that's what I've liked the most is he's been aggressive. He's attacking fastballs, especially early in the counts. You know, he's not like the Tyler Martin type of leadoff hitter where he, he's trying to see pitches and do his thing. He's more so the guy that wants to be aggressive and, and make things happen with the bat. So um, it's just really been really good to see this resurgence a little bit. And, you know, I think if, if he keeps that same mindset and he keeps his, his stroke down a little bit, then, then, you know, this is something that we'll see most of the season. And I think the home runs will come for Reese, especially at home um, as the season wears on. Four doubles to lead Florida State. That's exciting for Albert and um yeah you have an experienced bat at the top of the lineup and, and it's gone well so far for Florida State and I, I I was just one quick sorry Aria but um you know I just think Isaiah is also playing really well when they're platooning there um Isaiah I believe is eight for nine on getting on base so far this season uh, I think he's three for four with five walks um or three for four with four walks or something like that but I mean that will play and when Isaiah gets on base, he's, he's going to run. That's just that's what he does. He does it because he's so good at it. I mean, he's already three for three on stolen bases, swiped third base at one point um, in this game and ended up leading to a run. Uh, he's just – he makes things happen. He's the type of player that they want here that they want to be able to utilize. Um, and he's putting together really good at-bats so far, and he's scorching some balls off left-handed hitters. I mean, the two-out RBI grounder he had, that had to have been 100-plus off the bat. Don't know exactly what it was, but – it was scorched. It was. And then I think you and I both looked at each other uh, on Saturday when he almost got picked off at first base and was able to steal second just on the speed. He, he caused a, a bad throw in the second base, and that just is because you're speeding up the clock of uh, the fielder, right? Like They're thinking, I don't have as much time to get this throw right. You speed their process up, and, and Isaiah ended up sliding into second safely. And that's a little bit of what, you know – Obviously, there's been guys thrown out on the base pass so far, but, you know, Meat's trying to instill in this team, I think, the that sort of approach of being aggression and making someone make a play. Um, you know, so far, a lot of the teams have been up to that task, and Sanford was a lot this weekend to make those plays, but sometimes teams aren't going to make those plays. Um, and last year, Florida State wasn't even making teams make plays most of the time. It was mostly, you know, this ball is going to go over the fence or we're going to strike down, and it's just – you know, it hasn't worked out so far this year, but I think, you know, at some point it's going to it's gonna pay off for them and what they're doing and just the mentality of doing it and, and playing free, especially on the base pass. Can we spend maybe two or three minutes? I think it's really important um, for not just for myself, but for fans as well listening. Can you dissect and break down, Brett, what constitutes bad base running? Because I think... There is a misconception from a lot of people when someone gets thrown out at the plate or when someone gets picked off or 
if someone gets thrown out going first to third. We saw that a lot this weekend. I mean, Terrell got thrown out at the plate. We got a, a runner thrown out at third. A couple of guys got thrown out at second. I think Tibbs got thrown out at second trying to extend. Uh, take us through the difference of what is bad base running and you're just or you're just out because you're being an aggressive brace runner and somebody made a big play. Yeah, so I think we've seen a little bit of both between, you know, that fine line of bad base running and being aggressive. Um, you know, for myself, often I don't mind if a guy's being thrown out trying to take an extra bag, you know, on a dirt ball or, you know, on a ball trying to hit somewhere and you're trying to get first to third. Um, I don't love that when it's the first down of the inning. I don't think anybody does. I, I, I do think that's bad base running. Um, we had one of those this weekend, and I think it was on meat. He gave the wave. He said after the game that was on him. Uh, but, you know, it was a good throw, and they made the play. That's an example of, you know, a team just makes a play, you tip your hat. But, you know, an example of bad base running, I think, is, you know, Reese Alberts on Sunday makes a first down at third on a ground ball to the shortstop's right, um, a, chop, a chopper. I mean, that plays right in front of him. Um, he's a veteran guy. That's a crucial situation. Situation. It might end up being a base hit, too, for Logan there. Um, instead, it's out number one, and you only got someone on first base. You just can't do those type of things. Um, but, you know, saying you get thrown out at home for the last out of the inning, that's just pushing the envelope. That's not bad base running. That's also on the third base coach. And, you know, for, for you know, Meets had aggressive sends so far. The only one I've had a problem with was Terrell's on Sunday, uh, thrown out by a bit. That's the one guy on this roster you can't do that with. And Meat knows that. Um, I think he would take it back. Uh, but you know, like I said, it's just that they're trying to make teams make plays. Um, but you know, bad base running is, is just making poor decisions on ones that should be easy. Um, you know, there's, there's some, there's some dirt ball reads that I haven't liked so far. And, you know, some of them have been not even going, it's been being too passive. Um, and I think last year, last year's team was very passive a lot of the times and, you know, sometimes you don't even realize when it's bad base running because nothing happens, but, you know, a base could have been taken. Um, so when guys are throwing it at second, trying to take an extra bat and a dirt ball read, I mean, I, I'm, I'm fine with it unless it's just a really bad read. But, um, you know, it's just good to at least see this team be aggressive rather than sit back and let, let teams take things to them instead of them making things happen. Yeah, that's important because I wanted to be able to distinguish – aggressive base running and bad base running are two different things um and the Braves are the Atlanta Braves are a team that you know Ron Washington the third base coach um known for being an aggressive sender and and his philosophy I was listening to uh, a podcast that he was on and it was we're gonna force the defense to make the play because 90 percent of the time they're not going to and a lot of throws have to be perfect a lot of relays have to be perfect um the analytics show that being aggressive in the game of baseball uh, is far more beneficial to a ball club than to be passive, if that makes sense, and to kind of wait out for the next at bat. So that's something major league teams are doing is, is they want to send, uh, and not to mention the platoon situation that Meat even touched on before, that uh, teams are now seeing using two guys um, at different positions, the righty-lefty splits uh, makes a big difference. So the Knolls are using the analytics part of it too. And, I mean, FSU has definitely had some bad base running so far and some they would like to take back. But, you know, I think, I think a week ago we were talking a little bit about, you know, catching and how it's kind of like offensive lines when you only notice their, what they're doing when something bad happens. Um, I think you only notice base running when something bad happens too. You don't really think about the ones where the team made a bad throw and 
you know, it didn't matter that the send was aggressive. You only remember the ones that, you know, the team did make the play. But there's been times over this season, too, where FSU's got help with the aggressive base running. A lot of times in the hit and runs, a lot of times um, on first to thirds. They've been really good with first to thirds most of the time this year, and they've been thrown out a couple times there because they've done it so much. Um, this team's it's, this team's gained some runs from running, and they've also lost some. That's what I'll say so far. Yeah, and I'm not defending, like, you know, we're not defending bad base running, and there has been uh, numerous instances this year, and they're going to have to clean that up. But I remember you and I were standing up top there uh, above the the third baseline where we usually stand by the press box uh, when we want to go outside for a little bit. Um, and I'm talking to one of the fans who's sitting next to me, and I'm explaining, like, Isaiah Perry got thrown out because the ball was hit right at him as he was trying to steal second base. He had to basically pirouette out of the way of a rocket hitting to right field, and then he stumbled uh, between second and third. That's why he got thrown out. It was a good decision to go. You executed a hit and run perfectly. Uh, It just was... Unfortunate, right? Yeah, and I think that, that was that happens. That was B Rob, but I. Oh, it was B Rob. I'm but, sorry, you're right. Yeah, you're totally right on just the circumstances of what happened, and that was the one that you know I think Meat questioned himself a bit on the send because I mean we're watching. He gave him the wave there. I mean, it's not always on the players, and it's always it's not always on the coaches either. It's a little bit of a give and take, and um, you know things like pick, getting picked off that should never happen. And but I mean getting thrown out trying to take an extra base. Um, like I said, I can live with it. It's especially this early in the season because I think something we've talked about is you've got to find out what you have. At this point in the season, you've got to find out. It's still February. You've got to know, can this guy take an extra base? Can I send this guy first to third? Can I send this guy home with, with one out? You know, you just got to find out now. And so if you're going to make base running outs, make them now rather than June. You don't need to be finding out about your team and in ACC play and, and what guys can run and what guys can't. It's just you, you're learning. You still got a bunch of new faces. You don't know what a lot of these guys can do yet. So you, you got to push the envelope right now. And then 9 of 12 this season on stolen bases, Florida State. Uh, pretty aggressive again this weekend. Uh, you, you told me the stat, I think, earlier before we recorded. Uh, the Knowles are running a lot more in 2022. Yeah, so last year FSU averaged .44 stolen bases. Per game, successful stolen bases this year, it's already 1.28 per game stolen bases. And, I mean, IP has three of those. But, I mean, you got your freshmen involved, too, I think. I think Ferrer has one stolen base. Train Rink has two. Um, you know, Jordan Carrion has two as well and would have had a third. But, you know, they called that foul tip in the ninth inning um, on Sunday. And he ended up getting thrown out on the next pitch. But that's another athletic guy for you. B-Rob will end up stealing some bases. Um, overall, it's just there's there's just so much more athleticism here than last year. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's finish up that Saturday game real quick. Uh, we don't have to go play by play, but Bryce Hubbard, uh, another strong performance against a very good lineup. Yeah, I didn't think Bryce was his sharpest. Um, you know, I, I I thought that Samford also had a good game plan for him, and and they did a good job of of really attacking the high fastballs. I thought. Um, but you know, second time through the order, I thought Bryce made good adjustments and I thought you saw the, the slider at what he wants it to be, um, more in the low eighties this week rather than the high seventies. Um, it was really sharp, really good against lefties like, like Parker's was, um, you know, Bryce was still, I mean, the command is there still, um, still has the strikeout stuff, gave up some more hits this week and, you know, had to, had to battle through some things and strand some runners on base. But I think that's good for Bryce to, Go through early in the year. I mean, he stranded, I think, seven runners on base, and he's six innings of work. 
Um, I don't know if he even had one. I think maybe he had one, one, two, three inning. Um, but, you know, overall, it's still another good outing for Bryce. And, you know, he showed you that he's going to battle. And, you know, he showed some intensity, I thought. That was good to see from him on Saturday. Bullpen really good on Saturday as well. Uh, Wyatt Crowell, Jonas Scalaro combined for three innings and just one earned run, no walks, six strikeouts. Yeah, Crowell got ambushed on the first pitch, but didn't even think it was a bad pitch. I mean, low and outside fastball just gets taken over the right field fence, but he was really, really good after that. I mean, four strikeouts. I don't think he let another runner on base or maybe someone got on base on a hit by pitch, but other than that, he was really good. I mean, you saw the slider. That slider is, is it's wipeout. Um, I think it's the best breaking ball in the staff, um, you know, and Jonah was good on Sunday, I mean, on Saturday as well. Um, but, yeah, Wyatt's stuff is it's, – it's unfair when he's on. So Florida State 11 hits offensively, uh, great p- pitching performance against, again, a really good Sanford lineup. Uh, and Alex Terrell almost had a home run, just, uh, just missed uh, getting one over the fence there um, early in that game. So uh, the Seminoles win it 7-1. to one. Um, starting pitching has been phenomenal for Florida State. That one-two punch, every bit as good as we thought it would be. And that takes us to Sunday. Uh, Florida State falls 7-4, to four, extra innings. Uh, Sanford gets all uh, three of their go-ahead runs to, to win that game in the top of the 10th. Um, before we talk about the offense, which I thought had an okay day, uh, not bad by any means, and so had some big moments, Ross Dunn, I know a lot of us were – um, anticipating what his second start of the season would look like, and I thought he took a step forward. Yeah, it was better, but still not what Ross can be and what Ross showed in the preseason. Um, fastball command was much better. Didn't have as many misses up as he did in week one, and I thought week one was mostly just because he was amped up and got sped up with his mechanics. Um, was more in sync with himself this week, but didn't have the curveball. Um, I mean, both starts so far, he's had one pitch. Um, first week, I thought he had a really good job of landing the curveballs, but this week he didn't really have it at all. Spiked most of them, it seemed like. Threw in a couple that were good for strikeouts, um, but he was mostly only fastball in the day, and that made him grind a lot and um, you know just struggled to put guys away a little bit. He had eight strikeouts, but still those strikeouts, it just felt like it was taking a while after a lot of foul balls, and you know, he gave up two walks this time, less than, you know, he had four his first time. Command was much better, 68% strikes. But both walks, I think one walk was 11 pitches, the other one was 10 pitches. And that's just because he couldn't put guys away because he only had the one pitch. Um, they just they knew he was just going to keep throwing fastballs, uh, couldn't, could, just couldn't land the curveball for strikes, um, got behind in some counts, and, and when he got behind, he could only use the fastball. Only gave up three hits and just gave up that two-run homer over the fence wasn't bad by any means, um, but just wasn't sharp. And he still needs, still hasn't had an outing yet where he's had both the fastball and the curveball. Um, you know, when he has both those pitches going, I still think he's going to be really dominant. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit about it, but I don't think the door yet is completely closed to change in Sundays, but I also don't think it's it's open as of now. Yeah, I just the, – the comment I had made to you before we hit record was I think if Carson Montgomery – pitches well on the midweeks going forward I think the discussion will be had at some point um, to move him into the weekend rotation and I'm not saying that that's because Ross was pitching poorly or that uh, Ross you know doesn't deserve to be the Sunday guy certainly Ross can pitch the next you know three or four weekends and he shoves and all of a sudden you go well that's locked down it's Ross's spot Um, but I I do think (laughs) it's maybe unfair Uh, of the three 
so far, Ross has had the most trouble uh, on Sundays. And that, again, that's unfair because the first two aren't going to have much trouble all season long. Like, that's, that's not, you shouldn't compare Ross Dunn to Parker Messick and Bryce Hubbard. But that being said, I think, you know, nobody is set in stone. N- no team is set in stone from February, March, all the way until May and June. Things change. And that was just what I was saying was I could see it happen. Uh, as the season plays out. Maybe I was predicting it more so than analyzing anything. But, um, again, Ross has, is going to have every chance. And, I, again, I thought he was much better uh, on Sunday than he was his first start. So, uh, great I mean, stuff. He has great abilities. And uh, I'm excited to see him continue to pitch on that Sunday. I mean, spot. with only having the fastball, only having one pitch, he still gave you four innings and only gave up two runs. Um, you know, you do want more innings there. and But, I mean, two runs, is that's you're never going to – you're not losing a game because your starter gave up two runs. Um, so, I mean, he hasn't lost games yet for Florida State at all in any way. Um, he just hasn't been what he can be, and he hasn't been efficient enough. Um, he just needs to, he just needs to have an outing, I think, where he sees what he can be, and I think that will he'll get you know kick started from that. It'll be fun to watch him go up against Cal. I think that's going to be a good per, a good test um, and somewhere for us to be able to kind of project what Ross can do the rest of the season. All right. Um, Offensively, I think the the two key spots in this game for for the Knolls. Um, shout out to Jaime Ferrer for the two run homer uh, to jump back on top after Samford took the lead. The opposite field blast gave Florida State a three two lead in the bottom of the sixth. Uh, Brett, he's been everything that he was uh, advertised to be. Uh, it is advanced, advanced uh, plate ability and bat skills. I mean, it's. He is, he is not a freshman. It, it doesn't seem like it. Yeah, I mean, hitters hit. I mean, you can't really say anything other than that. Um, that kid's been hitting since high school. I mean, he, can, he raked every time I saw him. In travel ball, um, he raked every all fall. He raked in preseason. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, he's hitting 375 through seven games, has a hit in each game. Um, you know, has two doubles, a triple, and a homer. You can't really be asking much more out of him so far. He's only got five strikeouts, and he's got four free passes. Um, he's given you a little bit of everything. Got that stolen base, too, like I mentioned earlier. Um, just a complete player offensively and, you know, a complete hitter, too. Does, doesn't really have many holes. Um, you know, he reads spin well early, as a, for a freshman. For a kid his age, he really reads spin well. Um, yeah, I just he's fun to watch. He's fun to watch it. And then uh, Sanford retook the lead. And James Tibbs in a big spot in the bottom of the eighth inning. Oh, man. Uh, he hit a bomb. That's that's going to go up there amongst the longest home runs that's been hit at Hauser. I mean, they they estimated at 430. Um, exit velo of, what, 110, 111, something like that. Um, again, we say freshman, and we kind of laugh because how is that kid 18 or 19 years old? Yeah, and, I mean, he's hitting 400, too, through seven games with hitting every game. And, He's came came off the bench in two two of these games, and he's got hit in both of those games too. Um, you know, he's eight of twenty with with two homers and three triples. Um, you know, James will strike out a little more than 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 Jaime just because he's got a a, a big swing, but his he, he you know he's got the bat whip to to make up for it. And um, yeah, I mean that ball was um, that ball's dead. That ball is it's non-existent anymore. It's uh, yeah, I mean, as soon as he hit it, I just put my head down, started typing, because you just know that ball's that ball's gone in any park, anywhere. Uh, that ball might leave Polo Grounds at dead center. 
Um, it was it was crushed. It was in in that moment, three two fastball, two ounce. Um, I don't remember exactly what the speed was, but that closer is also pretty good. That they got there at Samford. I think he throws ninety two, ninety five, something like that. Um, that's that's a really big moment for a kid, um, a freshman. Uh, and Jaime's, I forgot. I mean that his his home run as well. That was as good of a piece of hitting as you get. And what impressed me the most about both of their at bats was for two young guys who haven't played college baseball a ton to this point to be able to slow your heart rate down in that moment, to not get ahead of yourself, to not overthink the situation um, and just compartmentalize, I think is impressive. And Brett, I think they both talked to us um, coming into the series. Those were the two kids that they made available uh, for, for media availability. And both of them impressed us in, in the way that they answered questions from the media um, and, and just the, they were both able to elaborate on a lot of different things. And I think, you know, it shows that they're, they have high IQ for the game of baseball. Um, and, and those are the kind of guys, right, that, that Florida State wants in their program. Are, are kids that like the game, love the game, want to be out there Monday through Sunday and um, uh, give them credit. They came up big in a big situation. Now, unfortunately, you lose this game 7-4. to four. What do you make of, of the bullpen performance in this one? Um, a lot of stuff happened to them late. Yeah, well, you had to go five innings after done, and you know those first three innings were really good. I thought I thought Nazu was really good. Um, I thought Armstrong was was really good as well. I thought that was the best Army's looked so far this year, um, just in a crucial situation. You know, I, I thought he threw well at Ju too, but you're already trailing in that game. To see him come into a game with, you know, you're up one run in the seventh inning, and you know he's never really been in that spot before. Uh, I thought that was that was really good to see. Um, you know, then they bring in Baumeister to start the eighth. He gives up a double off the end of the bat, um, and then a single, and they take him out. Um, you know, I, I, and I just think they need to rethink the bullpen rules a little bit. Um, you know, I really like Jackson's future a lot. But right now, I, I think Jackson's only got one real pitch he can go to, and that's the fastball. And, and it's a really good fastball. Um, but the off speed's not ready, um, I don't think. And you can't have a one-pitch pitcher in, the, in some of your highest spots, highest leverage spots, I think. I think they need to give Jackson some time to develop um, personally in, in a non-high leverage situation. You know, if that is moving him to that bridge spot where, you, where Nizu is right now and having him throw multiple innings to get you to the back end, um, if that's a midweek spot, so be it. I just don't think he's ready to be your setup guy right now as things are. Um, but Jonah comes in after that. You know, they get the double play to, uh, you know, clear the bases, but then Ledbetter hits that home run to go up one, um, which is why Tips had to tie the game. Um, I thought Jonah rebounded really well in the ninth inning, had a really quick, clean ninth inning. And, you know, I think that's why they decided to bring Jonah back out for the tenth inning. Didn't love it, but I understood it. Um, FSU was dealing with a lot of injuries in the bullpen this, this weekend. Um, Davis here had already been out. Um, he's a crucial part, especially to the righties. Um, then Joe Charles got hurt on, on Friday. Don't know the exact situation there yet. Um, and I believe Dar Dave. I believe they had said that uh, Meat said that another um, player was out, another pitcher was out this weekend with um, not COVID. I, I think pneumonia is what he said. I believe that was David Barrett because we didn't see him all weekend. Um, so you're down three right-handed arms, and those are probably your. Those are probably two of the, I mean, three of the top five righty arms you have. Um, so there wasn't a ton to go to. Not really. They didn't have any of their high leverage arms left. They have had a bunch of 
um, you know, inning eater types. Um, I think if they had got to the 11th, they'd probably bring in a, a Whitaker or, or a McMullen. But since they don't have any high leverage guys left, they, they, they run Scalaro back out there and he gives up a couple hits. And, um, you know, Simmons comes in and gives up the homer to Ledbetter. Um, I know a lot of people said they should have walked him in that situation, but I mean, you're already down one. It's the seventh game of the year. That kid came into the game hitting 136. Just challenge him. I mean, what happens happened, but there's no reason not to challenge him right there. I'm fine with that decision to pitch to him. Um, you know, overall, I still think highly of this staff, but I think that roles need to be reworked and I think they need to get healthy in the bullpen. They, they, they've got to get healthy there. Yeah, I think, you know, the the health of uh, Charles and Hare, very important for Florida State. Davis has been in so many big situations already in his career, and you can't replicate the stuff, right? Like 92 to 95, like that's that's important. Um, and you were saying it, the depth of the right-handed arms. Uh, you just kind of have to have some guys there, and um, I'm not too worried about it. I thought overall the bullpen was pretty good all weekend. Uh, only two walks to 12 strikeouts. I think that's positive. Um and then the, there was a moment there, bottom of the ninth, carry-on got thrown out at second base. I like trying to steal the bag there and put yourself in a scoring position to, to win it. And then Trayton Rank, I mean, he hit the ball pretty hard to right field. If that finds a gap, you're talking about a completely different ball game. Um, and Florida State might walk it off right there. So uh, I know there are a lot of people that are frustrated right now, losing to JU and losing to Samford. You lost to JU by one run. You had runners on first and third, one out, so a chance there. And then against Samford, you lost in extras. It's not like you've been dominated by either of those two teams. And the truth is you've dominated in your wins. I think the average margin of victory is like seven or something. Like it's, it's, it's really impressive right now for Florida State um, in their wins. Uh, a lot of that's Parker Messick, Bryce Hubbard um, going deep into ball games. But so far, a 5-2 and two record. I think, you know, 5-2 and two records come in different shapes and sizes. I'm pretty impressed with Florida State through seven games. Yeah, and so am I. Um, I just think it's a good starting point, and I think you see huge differences from last year. And I know people were saying, you know, after this weekend and after Sunday, um, this team's got the same problems as last year. Um, I'm sorry, but if you think that, you just you're not watching it because they don't. I mean, they're not striking out at a higher rate. There's they, this weekend, they struck out only 20% of their ABs and only 16% of their plate appearances. They were 33 for 101. That's a 327 batting average, and they reached base um, 42% of the time. Um, they had only two less free passes than strikeouts. Um, and as I mean, they already have as many triples as they had all last year. The team speed and the team approach to the plate are completely different. Um, you know, I, I, I know some people have said Messick and Hubbard have carried this team so far. This team scored a lot of runs in the games they've started. I mean, this weekend they scored seven runs both games. Um, you know, for that first Friday they scored four runs, but, I mean, the opening day um, you take a 4-1 win, and the next day, what, they scored 13 runs for Bryce? Um, it's not being carried by any two players so far. I mean, look at the lineup, man. You have seven guys hitting 300-plus. As a team, you're hitting 328. That's 21st in the country. Um, you have two other guys hitting 250-plus. Only one guy is, is really struggling in your starting lineup. And that's Colton Vincent. I think his numbers don't tell the whole the true story yet of what he's done for them at the plate. Um, that number does need to go up, but I don't think Colton's been awful so far in any way, shape, or form. Um, but, yeah, it's just, you know, two losses. You don't love it in two weeks. Um, but the way they came, it, it's nothing that, 
you panic about or nothing that you are – I mean, it's not a bad loss. Florida lost twice in a weekend. I just want to put that out there. So their two losses came in a different form. You're two and zero in series, and you've yes. only lost one game in those two series. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm not worried about this team right now. I'm actually been impressed. Your your weekend rotation is probably. I mean, not probably. It's better than it was last year. Your bullpen, when it gets fully healthy, is going to be, uh, I think, as good as it was last year. Maybe even a tick upward um, from what you had. So. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not worried about it, Brett. I think, you know, even last thing I'll say, and I'll throw it back to you, bottom of your order is better than it was last year. You're seven, eight, nine, like trade and rank as a seven or eight hitter, pretty good. Jordan Carrion as a seven or eight hitter, pretty good. And this team doesn't even have Tyler Martin yet. This is a good baseball team. This is a top 10 baseball team. Um, I know a lot of people are upset, but I just think it's easy in baseball because you're going to lose, folks, FSC is going to lose 15 to 20 times a season. I just want to prepare you for that. If, if for whatever reason you think FSU is going to be 45 and 10, 40, I have news for you. That is not how baseball works, and this is not the L.A. Dodgers of uh, MLB baseball where you've got uh, how many millions of dollars on payroll? Um, this is, this is uh, a baseball season, and it takes time, and it goes through peaks and valleys, and there will be some valleys. I promise you guys, valleys are coming. There will be some weekends in which all of us are back on this podcast, Brett, and we're scratching our heads because it's baseball. This team has to stay healthy. This team needs to have you know strong depth, as does any baseball team. And we're going to talk about it over the next five to ten minutes because we do need to wrap up. But the NCAA picture, uh, an ACC picture, uh, there are some teams losing games that are far more legitimate concerning, right? Like legitimately concerning than what FSU has right now. So um, Florida State beat JMU and Samford. Those are two pretty good mid-major ball clubs. Yeah, I mean, JMU, Samford, and JU so far, um, when they're not playing, FSU are combined 13-1. and one. Um, Mercer, who you're going to play this week, is 7-1. and one. Um, Cal was really good in their opening tournament, struggled a bit this, this last weekend, but... Um, my thing is FSU is getting way more from playing these teams and having these close losses than, than an NC state is getting from a 20 to zero win over Evansville or a, you know, some of these schools that you've never heard of that these teams are playing. And I mean a lot, a ton, I think half the ACC played teams from the Ivy league that hadn't played a baseball game in 750 days. Um, the Sanford team was in a regional last year. Ivy teams didn't play baseball last year. You're getting way more out of these games than any other ACC team is from the teams they're playing besides, I mean, North Carolina played Eastern Carolina this weekend. Um, outside of that, I mean, you, it's just a who's, uh, it's a who's who of who the hell played who. If JU and Sanford are both in an NCAA regional this year, I'm going to laugh because it's like you lost a Sunday game in extras and a Tuesday game on the road at JU by one run and what? Three runs. I <laughs> and I, I mean, it's it's a small sample size, and it's really really early. But FSU's six in RPI, and they're four in strength of schedule. I think um, you're playing better teams than ninety nine percent of people are playing right now, in my opinion. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think overall strong weekend for Florida State. Uh, I can't overreact about losing one to Samford um, after you won the series. I think it, it can't take away from winning the series. The be- name of the game in college baseball is winning series. Correct. And you swept one already uh, to start the year. So you're ahead of the chain. To be uh, a super regional host, they're going to have to win on Sundays. Yeah, and they're going to have to win close games. 
you're probably going to need a couple of sweeps. I, yes. I think you've got one in the book, and and it, if you could sweep Cal, I think that's a huge feather in your cap going forward. But it's going to come down to ACC play, as it always does, and um, we'll break it down. All right, uh, NCAA picture. Uh, Stanford, really strong week at the Round Rock Classic. Uh, big win over Arkansas. Uh, the Gators swept Georgia State, Brett. Mississippi State lost its Friday night game to Northern Kentucky after dropping a series to Long Beach State. Uh, is it time to, to panic over in Starkville? Um, I mean, t- it's time to panic at Baseball America after you move Long Beach State up to number six and then they get swept and all these rankings still have Long Beach State ranked. They just got swept by Sacramento State. Why is Long Beach State ranked? Because rankings two weeks into the season are They're stupid. ranked so that these teams so that these rankings can still have Miss State ranked. That's the only reason. Rankings don't matter right now. It's I think just, that's what I'm I trying know, to explain to people. It's like who cares if you're first or twelfth or twenty-fifth or not ranked? Like, do you know how many teams right now are not ranked? And I promise you by mid-April, we're gonna be like, oh, they're they were really good. I mean, it's baseball. You play fifty-six games for a seat for a reason. So, I mean, just just kind of have perspective, folks. Like, I really don't I mean, just, want the tweets yeah. in my DMs and and in my mentions that are like, "Oh, we stink," or some of the text messages I get text messages I get that are like, "Oh, here we go again with this team." And I'm like, "What exactly are you panicking about?" I mean, just look around. I mean, Harvard. I mean, Miami lost the game to Harvard. Um, you know, Georgia Tech lost a game to Georgia Southern this weekend. Arizona lost a game to Grand Canyon. Um, LSU lost a game to Louisiana Tech, who's a very good team. But, I mean, that's another top-ten team that dropped a game this week. Like you mentioned, Mississippi State. I mean, Oklahoma State lost a game to Sam Houston State. Um, it's, yeah, one loss in a, one loss in the series, um, especially when compared to some of these other teams. It's, it's not going to hurt you. And, I mean, you saw it. They didn't drop in any of the rankings besides one spot in perfect game. Can you believe Penn beat Texas A&M twice? Wow. They didn't even play baseball in the Ivy League, like you said. I mean, what do you think Jim Slosnagel is thinking right now after leaving Texas Tech? I should have I mean, TCU. I should have never left TCU. <laughs> Probably making a good bit of money That's what there, I'm saying. He, he looks though. at his direct deposit drop, and he's fine. He went home on Sunday, and he was fine. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Tennessee's offense looks incredible. Uh, I mean, Iona, be, Iona's be, been outscored, I think, like one bajillion to zero so far this year. Still, Tennessee might be one of those teams in the SEC to keep an eye on all season long. That could be the team to beat out there. We'll see. Obviously, a long season. Uh, you you mentioned it. Miami losing to Harvard was pretty funny. Was that, you said Harvard's first game in how many days? About 730, I think. <laughs> Maybe like 729 to be exact or something like that. Welcome to Coral Gables. And they only won 2-1 to one on Saturday. Miami did. So Miami was close to losing that series. Uh, Duke lost 2-3 uh, or three at Baylor. I think they're out of the top 25 now. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Uh, I know Duke plays Florida State and Tallahassee uh, later, later on this season. Uh, UNC, 2-3 of three over East Carolina. Um, that was a top 25 matchup there for, for the Tar Heels. And um, they had an interesting breakdown. It was two games in Chapel Hill, and then they actually drove to Greenville to play the Sunday game at ECU. So ECU won the Sunday game at home, um, but Carolina won both of their games um, in Chapel Hill. So uh, other notes that I had, UF swept Georgia State. We're going to keep track of them all season long. Uh, Texas beat Bama three times. Um, That could be uh, noteworthy later on this season. We'll we'll see how Bama turns out. Um, But, yeah. I think uh, this weekend should have some fun matchups, and and we'll talk about more of the 
the matchups coming up this weekend. Uh, Brett, do you want to chat about Mercer real quick before we say uh, goodbye for this episode? Yeah. So, um, like we mentioned, I think they're seven and one, and I think I read that Mercer is one of one of three teams and to have thirty five plus wins each of the last eleven years in college baseball. Another two are Vandy and LSU. Um, you're traveling to Mercer. I mean, this is yeah. You got to be ready to play at Mercer. Um, you know they're gonna hit. Um, you know, I think we got their starter today. Um, I believe it's a lefty. I want. Oh no, it's a righty, Ryan Lobus. Um, I think I just thought the name Lobus would be a lefty. It just sounds like a lefty's name. Um, but yeah, Mercer. I think lost their first game on Sunday. I think that was their first loss of the year. Uh, other than that, they've won every game. Uh, yeah, and they've got. I think they had some renovations to their ballpark recently, so it should be fun to go check that out. Um, in Macon, uh, I think the game's at six o'clock. It's going to be on ESPN Plus. Uh, Montgomery's still going to be on the mound for FSU. He's still deal- dealing with a bit of a heel injury. Um, I think that might just be something that lingers with him. They can't really fl- fix it. They just have to kind of rest him as much as they can while also trying to throw him. Um, so you know, we'll see Carson again and. Hopefully see good Carson again and an efficient Carson um, and just see him keep developing is, is what you want to see on Tuesday. Yeah, 21 home runs as a team for Mercer. Uh, obviously, they haven't they haven't really faced anybody who has arms, um, but 21 home runs is pretty impressive. And they got some kids. One kid's hitting 579. Uh, another one's hitting 478 with uh, five home runs already this year. Um, it's a good offense and you're going to their park, which I think plays very strongly to their team. Uh, I think I looked at the dimensions, Brett, and it was like right center is only 350 at this park. So it's a smaller, it's a smaller cookie cutter park. Um, it should be a good crowd. I think Mercer fans will be excited about this. It should be good weather. And I think there'll be some Florida state fans, uh, in that North Georgia, central Georgia, North Georgia area that will make the drive down. So I, I swear these kids that are in their lineup have been there for like eight years. I feel like they just are there every year. The Colin Price, Colby Thomas, Despina, I feel like those names have been there for a while. Um, Colin Price, I think, has always hit really well there. And he's hitting 478 to start the year, and he has five homers. Colby Thomas is a really good player. He's in 344 um, with three homers. Um, so I think those are a couple of names that you probably want to watch out for on Tuesday. Cool. Sound like a good place to put a pin in it? Yep. We'll come back and uh, hopefully have an episode for you on Thursday. Uh, Florida State and Mercer, is that a 6 o'clock first pitch? Yeah. 6 o'clock first pitch. Um, I think it's on ESPN+. And let's hope that the broadcast is a lot better than what JU put together because that was I, – I have no idea what it was because I was there, but from what I've heard, it was not great. Yeah, I don't know what that was. Um, all right. Uh, we're on Apple Pods, Spotify. Uh, please leave us a review. Uh, give us five stars if you can on, on Apple, if, if that's where you listen. And send us an email, tweet at us, and um, we hope to answer some of your questions on uh, on Thursday. And until we talk to you again, Brett Nevitt, Amari Masudi, we'll, we'll talk to you later. Sunday Golds.